0: Sober Sex is a podcast focusing on conversations about what self-integrity, spirituality, and personal evolution look like for different people as we learn to be and accept ourselves sexually and intimately. Mumu is a singer, songwriter, actor, musician, feminist, and dear friend. Her strong political viewpoints and advocacy are evident in her lyrics and music videos, as has her personal experience with everything from addiction and mental illness to sexuality, embodiment, and pleasure. We are delighted to welcome Mumu to Sober Sex. What a show! Oh, (laughs) Oh,
1: listeners, we've got right treat for you. It's been such a fantastic little moment that we've passed with Mimou. She is a pure delight. We discuss everything from...
0: Farts. So many, (laughs) like a lot of fart talk. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Bisexuality and the confusion about where to embody that in different spaces, recovery, the evolving journey of coming, like everything basically.
0: (laughs) Fucking fantastic. It's re- this is a really special episode. We hope you love it as much as we loved having this conversation. As ever, this is new for us. Please follow us at Fuck Yeah Sober Sex on Instagram, Sober Sex Podcast on Twitter. Like, subscribe, tell your friends. We're sorry we took such a long break. We promise never to do it again. Not, just kidding. We probably oh, will do it again at some right. point. <laughs> but, you know, d- join, join the, the, the herd of, of sober sex fans around the world. Because we are very grateful for you, and these conversations are important, and we love having them, and we love you. Thank Listen you in. <laughs> Rolling.
2: Rolling. <laughs> Hello.
1: Oh.
2: What's up, ladies?
1: How are you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you yeah. doing? Yeah, I'm good. Where are yeah. you? I'm in Paris, um, in the 19th arrondissement. Oh. Yep. Who's that abandoned us from that? From that? on this one, Louisa.
1: So sad.
0: I missed the. I missed the nineteenth. We miss uh, you so I much. Mean, you. Nice. I know. I know. That sweet
2: spot. You have like space for a couch. It's incredible. Yeah. I know. It's I so could nice just time. roller.
0: I, if I also could rollerblade, I could rollerblade in the living room. So you know. What's not the to floor. What like?
2: is that? A rug?
0: No. It says it's concrete.
2: Oh, it's like <laughs> nice. rollerblading. Oh. Uh,
0: not, I have to say Paris is a shitty city for rollerblading, but people are really devoted to it as a practice. Oh, yeah.
2: The cobblestones and hills and all. They're like, you no, we're doing this. Oh, my
0: God. My first trip to Paris, there was like – it was like um, – what is that? Critical Mass, but instead of bikes, it was just rollerbladers. It was insane. I was like, what year is this? It was like 2013. Yeah.
2: And how, I guess, like, because the free healthcare they can get the hip replacements, no problem. So, <laughs> probably why.
1: Amazing. Totally. It's really funny thinking about that. I was just on a recent visit to the USA and then just thinking, like, how does anyone leave their house and feel okay and safe about it? Do you know what I mean? Like, because literally anything happens to you, you know, that's it. Bankrupt. Bye. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, I wouldn't take up anything. I might, I, you know. I think I would just sit on the couch knitting and yeah. that might even be dangerous so
2: I know why are I wearing like body armor when I leave the house in yeah. New York? that's really the question I
0: don't know it makes us very tough though and also like absolutely pitiless when people around us are like hurt or sick when they have to like do things like go to the doctor we're like what? <laughs> yeah why,
2: why no but also yeah like somebody tries to call to you an ambulance you're like no no no, no it's fine it's yeah. fine Fine. I'll walk it off. It's just yeah. a flesh wound. Oh, no.
0: like, oh, God. So what are your pronouns? And part B of this exciting question, what is your experience of gender today?
2: Wow. <laughs> Deep edge. I Okay. I am a thousand percent she, her. I am uh, menstruating, farting, mansplaining, um Penis envying, sometimes boob hating, penis sucking, <laughs> pussy licking, proud, insecure woman. That's that's my gender. So beautiful. beautiful.
0: <laughs> that was one of the most beautiful answers we've ever had to that question. Not that they're not all beautiful.
2: <laughs> yeah, A lot they're of all beautiful. Are like, I don't <laughs> <know."> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all woman, all woman Yoss. here. <laughs> like how farting yeah. was number two. <laughs> farting is like uh, is key, honestly, and I feel like we don't talk about farting enough. And having your period, I'm on my period, by the way, if you no. can't tell. So careful, <laughs> but, but like, words, is <laughs> yeah, but like, if you holding your fart while you have your period, it's that's just torture. It's so torture. torture. Yeah, blood so, okay. and gas.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, it's gotta go. It's gotta. Everything's gotta go.
0: Rose had one episode of a period podcast that, did, oh, that turned really? immediately oh, into super And sex. then
1: immediately became super <laughs> sex. I'm such a fucking abandoner. I was like, no, this is better not true. we're co-hosting and just... But um, it's That's funny because like, in pregnancy, farting is like the thing they don't... One of the many things they don't tell you about a pregnancy because they wouldn't otherwise no one would get pregnant. But I had a friend <laughs> who like farted so much in pregnancy that a partner ended up just like sleeping on the couch for like nine months
2: because it was... Wow. Like, It was so bad. I'm sorry. The miracle of human life. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. (laughs) Just um, keeping this entire species going. Excuse me while I do that work.
1: But like (laughs) periods (laughs) are in preparation for that or whatever.
2: Like so. Right. There's a lot going on in there. Yeah. I can't imagine if I ever like make a baby in my body, I can't imagine how much I'm going to fart because it's already just really excessive.
1: It's um. I heard it's it's a lot.
0: That the baby bump is like 90% gas. <laughs> I read that and was like, wow, that makes sense.
2: I'm stupid. That's so fun. I love the idea of like this like fetus like floating around in a bunch of farts. It's like an air bubble. Sorry. Farts are so funny. Uh, yeah, they're so good. Also, I feel like European people just like are not with it about the farts. You know, they do a lot of things right, but their fart culture is weird. Like everybody's it's really like really yeah. – yeah, they really want to pretend that farting isn't happening. And I'm like, yeah, I'm wow. sorry. Can we talk about Kama of- Bear? <laughs> How are they eating all this cheese? Well, and, it's like, a pretending- fart smell, obviously. <laughs> right. I guess so. I guess so. Or maybe that's why they don't fart because they're like, we are full of dairy. Our farts will murder anyone <laughs> around. So if I can't fart, you can't either. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, I'm not sure if we might have to edit this out. i ask Seb's consent, but like he doesn't call the bathroom the bathroom. He calls the bathroom the fart room because he only farts in the bathroom.
2: <laughs> Why? Wait, do you fart, Louisa? Do you fart in front of him? No. As, Why? as
0: little as possible. Just because I'm like, no. <laughs> mm. <sighs>
2: I yeah, feel I like know. Patriarchy, it's
0: really fucked me up. That's okay. It Blame fucks everyone patriarchy. up.
2: It Fucks everyone up. No, and we and it's good to be honest about how it fucks us up because, like, nobody's not fucked by the patriarchy. Rose, Honestly. do you fart? Do you fart in front of your whoever? Um,
1: I didn't used to, and then I got pregnant, and now everything is just a mess. Oh. No. It used to be, and so it changes everything. No, you have like.
0: A toddler who's just like pooping
1: yeah i've like <laughs> yeah. had a shit with my baby on me having a shit at the same time <laughs> <laughs> like everything just stops being like <laughs> literally with the door open <laughs> like. while screaming like <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> <or> something <laughs> so yeah i used to oh, i used to have um I used to give a fuck about that stuff i remember like some friends of ours were here of mikey's from the us he's from america and I was just like, You guys are disgusting. And they are like, you should try this thing where you like hold his head under the duvet and fart. And I was just like, Isn't I'm rushing. <laughs> <oven>? <laughs> in the room. This is disgusting. And then, and a then, name then I had a thing. child and that yeah. what, I What's the name it.
2: for that? A Dutch oven. <laughs> Dutch oven. Does this mean the Dutch fart for each other? I think it's because also
0: like the Le Creuset is also called a Dutch oven. And they're like, if you wrap, Uh, if you, (laughs) if you create like a a casserole in your bed. (laughs) 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 Also, I do believe that like 90% of the reason to get a dog is to blame farts on the dog. Sorry, Ryan.
2: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm noticing that that's like. It's, it's a tough thing because it's hard to be really mad at the patriarchy if you're in, like, a hetero relationship and you're both not farting. So mm. you're like, I guess that's equal. But also then I, now my, my <laughs> latest depressed. thing is, like, I have my period, okay? Like, periods are different and you don't get it and you'll never will. And I won't get if that actually is bullshit and you're just as gassy as me. But, like, I'm going to blame the period even when it's, like, you know, week two in the cycle and she's far out of sight. And I'm going to just say, like <laughs> – you don't get it. I need to fart and This is my menstruation. Farts, yeah, this is this is my butt menstruation. <laughs> Deal. Deal with it. Deal with
0: it. Once I got Thank in a fight with the David therapist uh, about like him not understanding menstruation, he was like, How do you feel? And like wretched <laughs> What was that word? He was like, wretched. Wretched <laughs> is the word I was using. And he was like, I don't think I can oh, relate. So and I was good. like, You totally can't relate.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You'll never relate. Wow! I need mean, that wretched as a soundbite. Yeah, say
0: about it. you know we'll make a we'll make a sober sex soundboard after this. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wretched. <laughs> it so up. you recent, so, we're going <laughs> All <laughs> All right. to pivot. pivot. from pivot. the farts. Are kind of. Sure? All I mean, right. <laughs> I guess. If you want to keep going, uh, we could we could loop we could somehow we'll circle back. This. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You recently released a new track called "Honeymoon Sex." This week, like last week, maybe, because now it's the week after I wrote these questions.
2: Right, I guess it's uh, math, yeah.
0: Can you talk about it?
2: Talk about honeymoon sex? Yeah, I bet. I'd love to. All right, yeah, pivot from farts to my sex <laughs> song. <laughs> Next song is going to be wretched farts. Um, but this <laughs> song, it was called Honeymoon Sex. It's about having unrealistic expectations for a one-night stand. So it's like sort of where my codependency and my fear of commitment, like meet and have like an Mm. epic love affair in a musical moment. Um, (laughs) There there it is. Uh, Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's funny about songs, which like, I know Louisa, you can relate, but the process of making music takes a long time. Like you write a thing when you're having a feeling And then like later you want to finish the thing and then you want to record the thing and then you want to like produce the thing and then you want to reproduce it because that didn't feel right. And then you want to mix it and master it and send it to the platforms. And three years later, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like all this time later, like between six months, three years, something like that, sometimes longer, your song about your feeling from long ago is out in the world. And you're like, okay, now I have to. (laughs) like promote this thing. And so I, I wrote that when I was sort of just like in a rebound moment. And um and I I'm not, you know, like we're talking about sex here, right? So yeah. i okay, <laughs> cool. Just double double checking Somebody's Not exclusively like farts. About it and, <laughs> yeah. Not just farts. Okay. which we can <laughs> tie it all together at the end, you know, how sex and farts come together. Uh so <laughs> I I'm not good at having sort of like casual sex. I mean, I I can have, I've tried the one night stand sexual encounter and it's all right. But I I really, I love a fairy tale. Like I love romance. I love intensity. I want more, more, more. And I also like want to get on with my day the next day and like have my life and um, show up for my people who matter and... So I, I wanted this, I, I wanted to get laid, but I wanted meaning for it. So I was like thinking about what my ideal would be and it would be this like one night with someone where we're like really passionate and intense with each other and like fully committed in that moment and then like no strings attached at the end. And it's, it's yeah, it's not really how it usually goes, but it does in this song and it's pretty fun to make. Oh, i yes i very much
0: relate to that <laughs> like like in theory it's a great thing and this is actually like when is when a non-attached or single person like the ideal would be to like have an have an intense encounter on tour so you your brain can't attach too much to the idea of somebody like being mm-hmm. present in your life but that mm-hmm. never works yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people too fast it's horrible yeah
2: <laughs> oh my goddess and if they're not obsessed with me it's like yeah. It's also like a validation thing. I'm like, mm. I, if I'm going to be this vulnerable with you, I need you to be obsessed with every second of it. <laughs> I'm sick.
0: No. Highly relatable.
1: <laughs> highly relatable. Just,
2: yeah. But just because it's relatable doesn't mean like I'm not sick. Like we, we're all maybe oh, a yeah. little we're sick. Already <laughs> sick. <laughs> And that's why we were like,
1: oh, what well, that's so lovely to have a relatable, sick place.
2: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> the nasty, delicious, yeah. we call it. <laughs> nasty, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, love it. I love it. I hate it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I and I like I appreciate because I I know I struggle kind of writing narrative songs, and you're very good at kind of like like mine's like this feeling and that feeling and this feeling and me. Oh, I love it though. I <laughs> and love you're, it. I, I appreciate, it. but it like it allows it to kind of come back. and like, was that a premonition? Was that a prayer? Like
2: later yeah, on, like totally.
0: I didn't know that this song was about that. No. Oh, and so, a thousand percent.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so often I have no idea what I'm feeling until like I have the song recorded and then I'm listening to it. And I'm like, oh, oh. That. <laughs> this is the process. So. Yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of fucked up too because I'm like, when am I going to just be able to know what I'm feeling like before like needing to sit in a room by myself for nine hours and like. <laughs> Isn't
1: that crazy? Isn't yeah. that the fucking craziest thing that. I'm never aware of how I'm feeling unless, like, there's a couple of days space on it, <laughs> and yeah. then I'm like, "Oh, okay." Now, in hindsight, it's awfully clear. I <laughs> I should have said that. I cry. that way. <laughs> okay, fine.
2: Great. Fuck. It takes a cat second, but it's also like then, like in the music process, it's like by the time I know what I'm feeling, I've also like told the world what I'm feeling, and by the world, like, <laughs> the few people that listen to my music, but like. It's, it's like at that point I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I just had this conversation with myself and now I I need to start having it with other people.
0: (laughs) And now you know exactly what I'm feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but I mean, maybe that's where the, like the vulnerability and the kind of healing magic part comes in is because it is real, you know, like it's not, it's not performative because if it was performative, it certainly like wouldn't
2: go that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. By the way, Louisa, sure. I love your writing style, and I, I, I like actually want to learn more about how it is to just like say your feel. Like I, I have this tendency to be like, now I'm going to take you on a whole journey of like a, a like a movie of about whoever's in the song, and it's just it's so great to like hear your feeling, have a feeling, feel the feeling, move my body while I feel the feeling, and like somehow be changed in it, and also like not be told exactly what this context is and, and like what the picture is supposed to be, like just letting my imagination um, have its way with it. I love, I love your style.
0: Oh, that's very generous. And like mutually, I think we should have to do an, a, a workshop exchange because like yeah. I keep trying to like storytell while I write. It's not, <laughs> it always Let's is do just it. like, that uh, I hate the song. I hate it. <laughs>
2: No, and let's let's do this for sure, and then and then I can like give you a whole like long, you know, like three pages of a story. And you can be like, the feeling is, I suck. Rage. Sucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. rage, yeah. It's always guess what? It's always rage. Sucks really
0: and death. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the feelings. Yeah. Um, so we are going to backtrack a little from your single release last week to how it all started. <laughs> No. And, and what were the first messages you received around sex and sexuality? Welcome to Sober Sex. This is our really? answer
1: question. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome.
2: Yeah. welcome. <laughs> How was uh, like my journey with the sex stuff? Okay. Um, the first messages I received it kind of turns my stomach to think about Mm -hmm. it it's not you know I'm not about to tell you like a super traumatic story like more traumatic than anyone else but um but yeah the first sex ed classes I remember being in were very much like penis goes into vagina penis ejaculates person with vagina makes a baby and then this person's life is over <laughs> like well, that's like the that's at least the way that I perceived the story but I'm pretty sure it's close to that <laughs> yeah and uh and then I you know I think with media and um just like a lack of information I went into during puberty a deep uh phase of of shame and insecurity around my body and you know i thought like i was sure my boobs were the weirdest boobs ever and actually my niece told me when i was five when she was five and i was i guess i would have been 11. we were in a dressing room together and she was like your boobs look like teepees and i was like i know It's horrible. I was like, that's the last time I'm showing these girls off. This, is, There's no way I could go into the world with teepee boobs. And I thought my <laughs> vagina was horrible. I was like, I, I thought it was like fat or something. Or I didn't know if were, like, were the pubes right, where they're supposed to be. And it turns out I, I found out that my vagina is actually very beautiful. But for a long time I didn't know that. And I was like su- super um, freaked out by her and like the idea of of sharing her with someone was really awful. And uh, but then at some point in high school, you know, amidst all of the big talk about blowjobs and stuff, I never heard anybody be like uh, eating out. Like it was always blowjobs. I always heard about blowjobs and and like who got a blowjob, who gave a blowjob. But I didn't hear anybody eating pussy, and I was I it was just off my radar. And then. I had this sex ed teacher, I think junior year of high school it was, that that class. Miss Sabatino, bless her heart. She was like, you know, penis, vagina, all that stuff. And then she pointed at the vagina and she pointed to the little spot there and she said, and this is very important. This is the clitoris. And I was like, whoa.
0: Was it it co-ed sex ed?
2: it was it was co-ed
0: that's amazing actually yeah. imagine having yeah, to like miss talk sabatina. to co-ed teenagers oh. <laughs> about sex ed hell yeah miss sabatina
2: yeah hell sabatina. yeah sabatina. she was like 75 at the time she's still crushing it by the way nice oh, yeah awesome. yeah she's rocking it out and and actually so i like fast forward wrote this song ladies first and made a video and put it out and and I sent it to her, and I was like, "I owe this song to you." <laughs> like, this is that's
0: beautiful. we she- yeah. rollerblading, also in this video. Mumu rollerblades <laughs> on a treadmill on the roof of a building. That's
2: right, <laughs> incredible. <53rd>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. And the, but there was a journey to to from Miss Sad's class to Ladies First, and um, you know, like if somebody sort of. At some point, you know, people start putting their hands down your pants consensually, if you call it that, because it's just sort of like pressure and like, I don't want to say no to something. Um, and and it never felt good, right? Like it was always like too aggressive and fast, too fast and like over too soon. And you're like standing up somewhere. Like, I don't know about you, but I need like a comfy spot to, to like lay yeah. my little head. And so... And I, I had this relationship with my own body, like I could pleasure myself, but the idea of somebody else doing that, I just couldn't even fathom. Like, I wasn't like, I wonder if there's someone out there that could do that. I'm like, I just didn't attach my own pleasure to sexual experiences until I got sober. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was it was wild. They, those two went together, actually.
0: Indeed. I mean, and also like kind of hopeful, I think, for for an audience that like i think a lot of us have exclusively like fucked up experiences as, as in like only sexual experiences when we are on uh substances until sobriety mm-hmm. and so to like to talk about that is like actually it's a great thing and not something to be feared <laughs> mm-hmm. um is really hopeful and i mean also like I, I, uh, in your electronic press kit I, I, I saw that you, and also from knowing you personally, <laughs> I saw yeah. that you were raised like in a, a tribe of women. Yes. And do you think that informed like your, your ideas around sex and sexuality or gender and, and like feminism?
2: Big time, really big time. I, I'm not sure about the sex part. Maybe, maybe I'll, it'll get more clear to me, but as far as the, so I've, Five sisters, there's two stepsisters, three biological sisters. Um, My dad left the house when I was nine, and my mom was around as well. So there were just like a bunch of women in this household together. And then my mom also would like take in stragglers. Somebody's Hmm. friend was having a hard time at home and needed to live with us for six months, they would, or somebody's, you know, friend's cousins friend like it was really random it was anyone any woman who needed a place was at our house so much so that we called it the brothel and our uh, catchphrase was all whores no johns so that's the house (laughs) I grew up in one bathroom and uh farts farts. (laughs) a lot of farts (laughs) there we go um I think growing up in that house as far as sexism in the world goes I was really not that exposed to it. I mean, I was in the sex ed class, but, and, and, you know, men on the street making me feel unsafe, but, um, but as far as like be seen and not heard, um, I never sort of, I never grew up in this world where I thought women didn't have equal rights and equal intelligence and equal talent and equal contributions to make and, um, yeah, I grew up with these loud, aggressive women and um, I was the youngest of them all. And when I came out into the world, like as a young adult, that's when I it first hit me. The patriarchy just like slapped me in the face. And I was like, whoa, you <laughs> you don't respect us? Like, what do you mean? We're so cool. <laughs> like, why would you not respect us? And, and yeah, that reality has sort of um, become more and more integrated into my brain but, but it, it wasn't there when I was growing up and I feel really lucky about that and yeah. it sort of influenced my whole um, at least topically the the music that I make because I don't have much of a male perspective like I didn't grow up with a dad I didn't grow up with brothers I don't really know what they're thinking they sort of fascinate me you know like when they can't talk about their feelings I'm like Oh, what is that like? That I mean, that must be awful. That must be really it awful. Seems so hard, yeah. Yeah, it seems really hard. And I'm, I'm sort of like in a place of empathizing with them. I'm like fascinated slash empathizing, or maybe it's like I'm fascinated and pretending it's empathy. I don't know. Just <laughs> <laughs> like zoo animals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> I completely relate to that. Like I grew up yeah. in a very similar. My father's like the biggest feminist, and mm-hmm. he it was actually my mum who was much more sort of patriarchal in a way but not wow. in a um yeah in a, in she sort of more said you know was much more defined by the male gaze and things like that mm. i mean how can you not be in that generation in a way right but but definitely sort of passing that on and it was my dad who was really like you know, pushing for for us, you know, you're a woman, you can do what you want, you can say what you want and still is like that and it's so fantastic. But what is really strange is not how the world works (laughs) and it's very confusing, like, stepping out. So I didn't feel like I was massively prepared because like you, I was quite, in a way, quite... Well, for my part, it translated into naivety, you know? Mm, And sort of just handing myself over because I wasn't in any way prepared that um, people don't really always sort of think you can do anything and mm-hmm. um believe in equal opportunity and things like that. And so it was confusing being a when I suddenly was landed with responsibility, I mean, what do you mean it's not just fucking easy? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like what? Which is such privilege in itself, isn't it? I mean, um but at the same time it's kind of a different lens and I wonder how much of the next generation are gonna have that too right because it is gonna still be that we can't just pretend that because we're talking about it it's suddenly all fucking resolved like it's gonna filter into stuff so how do we prepare the next generation while still keeping in mind that we want people to kind of um triumph over
2: all of this as well anyway absolutely yeah yeah and I'd i do say. think what well, sorry what were you gonna say i was just gonna say i love your dad rose Yeah, it's
0: really it's the best. Okay, I do think that though that like as I get older, I see where that stuff was invisible even to me because I too was raised in a very kind of like my mom was a breadwinner, like my she and my godmother were like executive bosses in like cool industries, which is really rad. And to hear them talk about like. What it was like in the 90s in, in television, like, working towards, Jesus. like, changing the pay gap was mm-hmm. really cool and just how frustrating that was um, and how, like, other things kind of got lost to it. Like, they were fighting this uphill battle and as a result of, like, paying so much attention to that, they lost some other stuff. Um just in terms of like keeping the quality of the programming up, they were like, "No, no, no, we need equal pay." Also, the shows are going to shift, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Priorities. that's how MTV became a, a reality-based <laughs> television.
2: Oh shit, that's <laughs> really the backstory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it was about pay gap. Um, but but now it's like I see like like me, often male collaborators, kind of like the ease with which they can like try new things and make mistakes and, like, not have to show up perfect knowing everything and, like, the the familiarity they are with this idea of, like, process and not having to, like, be perfect the, at the first time you try something. And I think that that, like, my resistance to that, like, my resistance to my own learning curve made trying new things very difficult because I assumed that, like, as a woman entering these situations that are male dominated, like literally every situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) is going to be like, I'm going to make a fool out of myself if I don't know what I'm doing. So I Mm. better either like find somebody who knows what they're doing and attach myself to them or not try at all. Mm. You know? And that's Mm. like, fuck, it's so sad to like look back on it and be like, Oh fuck. Like I see my, like sit down on the drums and just like fuck up. And I'm like, wow. Like I so admire your willingness to do that because I will not. Mm. (laughs) I'm not doing that. Um,
1: yeah, you definitely have to be an expert before you, like, even attempt something.
0: Oh, yeah. And again, like, <laughs> if I'm not an expert, I'm not doing it.
1: <laughs>
0: right, right. It's so right. sad. Um,
1: I mean, but you just become an expert at a lot of
2: things, so. Hey. Oh, no. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, it's true, though. I mean, I feel like it does work for you. Like, there's I'm having two thoughts. One is one is like, why, why don't we just be a fool? Like, why don't we just free the fool? Like just be messy and, and yeah. And, and unapologetic about it. Just like, you know, some guys can be and, and normalize being somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. And also they're smart and cool and worth your time and the space. But then again, it's like, I, you know, if it works for you, it, it there's something to be said there and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always the big question, like what order of things needs to be done? Like do you know, I have some feedback that's like, stop writing so aggressively for women for now and like get yeah and get get the following and and um write the songs that like are in the you know the on the radio and in the clubs and all that shit. And then when you have the platform, then fight the fight. And I'm like, I can't. I, I mean, I'm I'm like, sorry. Did they not I'm- hear WAP? Like fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder what, yeah, I know it's. Well, if it was, if it was an option, I would do it. I think, I think I would. But it's not an option to me. Like, there's, it's. I, I have no tolerance for being, um, for being toning it down, <laughs> toning it down. Yeah, it's not even like anybody being any way to me. It's like I don't have tolerance for myself not saying mm. what I need to say. And, you know maybe I it, it very much nowhere, appreciate that <laughs> absolutely
1: and I think you know one thing I've watched with Louisa's career especially is that you've never really compromised at all when mm. you have so much integrity around your work and and it you know it does come forward do you know what I mean and you have been able to um pursue all the, those opportunities with that integrity and I think, you know fuck like I don't think oh, yeah. when we get sober and we're in that alignment that we're meant to be living in a kind of I don't know, passive way. Yeah. You know what I mean,
0: Or like, I mean, I don't know. I think for me, like I re- only recently realized that like there are no holds barred here. Like we've, j- the world has just experienced a big trauma in terms of COVID and lockdown and confinement. So now you can really talk about anything because like people are kind of globally in a raw place and it's actually necessary. Like I was listening or uh, uh, reading this interview with Karen O of the AAS and the New Yorker and she was talking about how like the kind of trauma is it at, like as an artist, it can be a call to kind of speaking to healing, like speaking to hope without pretending that the hard shit didn't exist. And I really, I think that's really beautiful. But like for me, for a long time, especially in dance music, like no one is like making songs about like misery and depression mm-hmm. <laughs> on the, the, in the club, you know? <laughs> so, so, I mean, true. now we're going there. It's yeah. time. Finally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> gift of desperation. Yeah. It's yeah. like the, the angst Olympics over here.
2: Um, it works. <laughs>
0: but Damn I mean, it I, works. but I think like, yeah, like if, if we could do it another way, I think for all of us in our work that like, if there was a middle road, cause I know Rose, when you were kind of more into coaching and like, it felt like in a lot of ways it was going against kind of where your experience was with what recovery felt like that that it turned out to be like not that path specifically just because and no shade to coaches but it just didn't feel like it resounded with your kind of integrity around what your recovery feels
1: like right no and absolutely and I can't deny that I have the privilege of living in France and having a you know statutory maternity pay which then a back to work kind of scheme which I got into which meant that I didn't have my ass on fire the minute I had the baby and had to find work, right? So like I'm privileged at being in France and having that experience. So I didn't have to do something that didn't feel, like I just remember when I started coaching, I was like, oh, this is definitely a calling and like almost trying to convince myself of it every time I said it. And I was like, yeah, no. I mean, there is something in there. I love being a mentor. I love all of those things. I love working with artists and helping them get shit done. But like, it's definitely not, something that i can do in a recovery field mm. but that doesn't mean i won't go and work at a treatment center if i need some money so i mean that's shitty but like if yeah. that's a reality you know we do what we got to do you know and
0: i love your honesty with that i really i think I I mean, that I like it's great
1: actually they also paid for that fucking training so it's like if i need to use my skills i will at some point we don't know what happens in the future right Totally. Mm. And
0: also, we don't know what God's will is necessarily. Like, sorry to f- skeeve out the listeners who are, like, deeply agnostic. <laughs> G-word. Um, but that, like, the will of a higher power, like, who knows when those skills are going to kind of be necessary in a specific context. Like, that's not for us to say, right? Right. So, right. you
2: know. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm. Exactly, exactly. It's I'm so true. I feel like stuff.
2: The, the, the the whole being sober and, like, living a life thing has – and i forget this all the time and i actually need this reminder today too because i'm super insecure right now but hmm. that there's these pe- these puzzle pieces that we acquire along the way and and you know like there's because of social media and everything in the way that art and work and life is advertised to us it's hard not to look at somebody's clear path and be like why aren't i on that clear path but all these pieces are sort of paving our own path. And it's, and it's, it all does come together. And it's just like being open to, you know, the universe's or whatever's will for, for what we, what we are meant to be doing. And, you know, it's like being sober and just showing up for that. And yes, getting insecure and getting off track and, you know, being lost is like part of it. That's like where, where the pieces start to sort of, find each other and 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 get us where we need to be but it's it's not linear and it's not on our timeline and it's not what we imagine but um even if I end up like a garbage lady I'm still gonna be like all right well this was my journey you know like it's been a beautiful journey here we are Saving the world. Recycling.
0: (laughs) Well, and also I think it's like, it's very difficult to have perspective on that when we're in it. But then when I look back, I'm like, oh fuck, like every part, especially, especially the hard parts were so necessary to arrive here. And like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't like, I love that. Like if I put all our piles in the middle of the room and we're like, pick somebody else's problem. I'd be like, no, thank you. These are my problems. I'll take them back. Yeah, (laughs) At least I have familiarity with them. Um. That again is probably privilege, but um, so speaking of recovery, how did you discover drugs and alcohol? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I discovered drugs and alcohol pretty early on in life, and uh, you know, like we both grew up in New York City, Louisa, and right, you grew up in New York City, okay, yeah, and uh, that's right, she shook her head so. <laughs>
0: I did – I nodded, you know, for the, the audio format, but that's because, yeah. like, we have construction next heart. door, and there's, like, like Russian pop songs blasting, and I'm not sure oh, if it's God, picking I, up.
2: I'm not hearing it. Kind <laughs> there's, of like, banging and, like, screaming in Russian. I yeah. <laughs> so, so hard. Yeah. Um, so, I yeah, I grew up in New York City and Louisa also nodded her head and said she grew up in New York City. And uh, it's, it's you know, you grow up kind of fast there and there's a lot of independence given. You get your little metro car when you're nine years old and start taking the subway. And, um, and uh, I started using and drinking and uh, which kind of led to me getting sober young. Like I, I stopped drinking and using when I was 19 years old. And I find that sort of, a baby. <laughs> I was a little tiny baby. And I think when it comes to sex and sobriety, I feel really lucky to have gotten sober young, like right when I was sort of discovering my own sexuality, because it just gave me more... I mean, I noticed like when I was in my early 20s, I noticed that I was more honest and open and vulnerable about the topic. and. Um, communicating and taking my time and trusting myself and like knowing when I was ready or not ready, then, then the people around me, you know, like a lot of times the people around me, they would want to go to the party and drink enough and then like hook up if it felt, you know, if they felt like the right amount of intoxicated and, and not talk about like their sexual health and not talk about their preferences and not talk about their pleasure and And I was like, whoa, 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 no. (laughs) Like, first of all, when did you last get checked? And, um, cause my body is a temple and I really, um, I didn't get sober just like get your stupid STDs. Like, I got sober to take care of myself. And, and like, what are you looking for? What kind of, you know, connection are you looking for? And, um, What makes you feel okay? What makes you feel unsafe? Like, I was starting to have these conversations. I was like, I have nothing to lose, you know? Like, I'm too sober to pretend.
0: That's so awesome, though, because I, like, I also got sober at, like, 20, and by that point, like, over and over again, and we'll talk about, like, the idea of a sex ideal later, but this idea of, like, every fucking inventory I did, I put safe. I want to be a safe person Mm. on my sex ideal, Mm. and, like... It was not until like, I mean, I've been working towards it, you know, it's been like, and that's not to say, you know, I was like rampantly giving people STDs unbeknownst to either of us, but like, I feel like I wasn't able to make decisions or communicate things around my own security, Mm -hmm. sexually, around my like emotional security or especially physical safety, Um, like ask for a condom or like to, you know, get on birth control until like you know, more recently in recovery. So it's actually like, it's amazing that you kind of clicked into that, that early. And that's so beautiful to hear because I think like, yeah, I, I, recovery and sobriety can be so empowering in this area specifically, but like we noticed that not a lot of people were having conversations specific to that. So it's 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 so good to hear. It's so like I don't know, like a fucking relief to know that that's possible because I thought that like in order to be good or liked or like, I I just took so long to get any courage or self-esteem in that area. Mm -hmm. So that's fucking beautiful that you were able to like name it (laughs) like pause, 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 pause.
2: (laughs) Well, granted, I, and like, I also understand that plenty of people who get sober young won't have that experience. I was a late bloomer. I was really scared of sex. Like I, like I said, I was really not comfortable with my body and, um, so I didn't actually have a huge sex life. I had a and I had a couple of uh traumatic experiences growing up. So it had made me feel really closed off to the idea of having a good time having sex. Like I just it wasn't fathom fathomable for me. And then you can cut that way that I said that word wrong and I don't think I'll ever I'm just kidding. No, we <laughs> like it. <laughs> it was perfect. It All felt right. very raw and real. Yeah, it was real. It's I can say it quite usually. Um, so when I got sober, it was sort of a fresh start for me sexually. And, and I did, you know, like I, and I, I I think early on, you know, I went, I started like making out with a, like a couple sober people. That were young and it was like unhealthy and it was like in someone's basement who's like adopting snakes on Craigslist and (laughs) I mean like their friend I also made out with and like their other friend and like we'd all go to the you know abandoned subway tunnel and do graffiti on the wall and then I'd choose which one I wanted to make out with and then they all had a big fight and then they hated me because I made out with all of them (laughs) like there was like some drama that led me to be like. Actually, you know so what? they still their
0: snakes.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm actually the
0: subway tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> great, great idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it was a journey. Like, I just wanted to say, I wasn't like, and now I'm a sex goddess and I deserve the best and I have perfect self-esteem. Like, no, it wasn't that. It was just that everything was so, the whole thing was fucking scary and being sober was fucking scary. So I was like, if it's going to be fucking scary, I might as well you know, like brave the storm and actually mm-hmm. figure out what I want.
0: Fuck. Yeah. Well, as you said, like nothing to lose, you exactly. know, I think that that's like such a beautiful way to like, the, <laughs> it can either be super, it's like positive nihilism, our favorite.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and like, I, you kind of touched on it, but like, you know, you've been sober for a, a long while at this point. So how has your experience of like sex and sexuality evolved within that time?
2: Oh, good question. I, so yeah, I got sober and and that's really when I started music. Like I had been writing music since I was nine. I remember the first song I had written, but I wasn't sharing it. It was sort of like my diary entries and um but when I got sober, I somebody told me that it's if I write songs, it's my responsibility to share them. And I met this producer and I got in the vocal booth. I didn't know what I was going to do, and the first lyric that came out of my mouth was free the nipple in this vocal booth and and oh he was, and is a guy, lovely guy. And he was like, what is that? Keep going. And I was like, "It was a, I think it was a joke. And he's keep going. And next thing I know, like I'm releasing this, my first song called Free the Nip. And I still hated my teepee boobs, which by the way are like now lower teepees, like low teepees is what they've come to. And I had not been, <laughs> I yeah, love I them. Know, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I had not, you know, been somebody that was really comfortable showing my body. You know, I grew up with all these naked sisters running around and I was the one that was like, you all, you bitches are crazy, like (laughs) making makeshift locks for my door so I could have privacy. And uh, I was not one one of these nudists in the house. And I write this song called Free the Nip and I realized like it was something I wanted. Like I wanted to feel freedom with my body and the song is, is a metaphor. It's not just like everybody show your tits. It's like just sort of analyze how you're censored and decide if it's something that you, you want or something you don't want. And I didn't want to be so scared of my body. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be hiding it. And so much of being someone with a alcohol problem involves hiding. It, for me at least it was just constant lies and hiding because it was self-destructive behavior and I didn't want someone to stop me because I didn't think I could be stopped and now I'm sober and I'm done hiding I'm almost traumatized by hiding and lying it's it's hard for me to to you know like do the right amount of sharing like it's it's usually just all or nothing and it's, it's because, you know, it's just, it's not a life that I want to live anymore. I don't want to be censoring myself. I don't want to be hiding. I don't want to be insecure. I don't want to feel shame. And I do, Oof. but I want to work through it when I do. You know, I don't want to bury it somewhere. And I had shame around my body. And then I got in this vocal booth and for some reason, my like music higher power, whatever it was, was like, stop feeling shame about your body. So I wrote this song, we released it. Next thing you know, there's time to make a music video and I'm rollerblading through Times Square with my tits out. <laughs> In the winter, by the way. And that is how I was able to liberate my own body. Um so yes, yeah, so so that I think that ties into the way that I was able to feel Sorry, there's somebody um that ties into the way that i was able to find my truth sexually and and then ladies first came out and it was about you know women women coming first is really what it's about and there is this lot there's like this thing that people do where they're like is it chivalry you want or feminism it's one or the other like it's like no actually both are really great can we please have both like Feminism is about equal pay and opportunity, okay? It's not about like you can be a dick or you can like not use your stronger body to help lift a thing or you – you know, like – and also female anatomy is different and it needs more time and care and consideration.
0: And so, no retraction period. Like,
2: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, right. It needs – we, we've got this like beautiful complicated anatomy that takes time and is so worth it and um, – And uh, yeah, I, I sort of, at that point in my sobriety, I was a couple of years sober and I was like, I can't, I was so mad at the way I was conditioned to not care about my own pleasure. And so that song came to be and I was like fully, there was a time where I would like, consider sleeping with someone and at first I would like, if it was a dude, I would send them the song. I'd be like, what do you think about this song though? (laughs)
0: What an amazing barometer. We invite all sober sex listeners to do the same. Yes.
2: (laughs) If you are are considering sleeping with a dude, but you're not sure how good he is at considering you as uh, a person that deserves pleasure, send them ladies first. (laughs) See what they say. And, uh, but the journey right now actually is like, I, I spent so much time in sobriety cause I was like, I'm empowered now. Agh! And I was very defensive. I was like, very like, don't fuck with my power, you know? And like, I'm going to get mine and I deserve the best and I deserve everything. And, and like, I'm also going to give you everything. And, but I'm at a place now where it's I'm starting to trust myself more like I've I've been sober for some years now and I'm like I uh I know if someone's good for me like I I know if someone is considerate and compassionate and cares and um I don't need to like make them like sign a contract telling me that they're gonna make me come like I'm I'm just gonna figure it out with someone who wants to communicate and and, uh and that's a nice place to be because I, I I'm tired of being sort of defensive and angry and ready to fight and um and just trust that like I'm not just you know like I can I can start to trust my own instincts when I'm choosing people which is pretty cool and I hope to continue to do and also it's not coming isn't everything and that's another sort of like sober revelation I'm having or getting older revelation like it's not everything. And and I've had partners that don't really want to prioritize that. And, um, yeah, it's, like, uh, it's it's cool. There's all this other stuff. There's all this weird stuff to do. Like, <laughs> I think it's really
1: interesting what you're saying, like, the evolution of that for you mm. and also how that response has matured in a way or not or whatever you want to call it. Because something I've really come to face recently is the fact that, like, intimacy and sex doesn't always look like it I thought growing up it mm-hmm. should and I think that's a really hard one to swivel on isn't it because yeah. especially if something is so embedded and ingrained in how we conduct ourselves um, then letting go of almost like that Hollywood ideal of like if he's the right guy it will just feel like or the right person they'll just make you feel like this isn't this and, this and it's it's not always a fucking case. Like yeah. rarely, if I've been in any kind of relationship, male or female, that has been formulaic and has not had its struggles, and sometimes doesn't feel good, and sometimes mm-hmm. feels excellent. And like, I'm curious how you have dealt in the past with like those gray areas, rather than being in that kind of that that those those binary spaces with your ideals around coming, for example, mm. orgasm. Like, how did that change? Yeah.
2: I, um, yeah, it was so good to hear what you just said. And now I have so many thoughts running through my brain, but I, I was in a relationship recently where the person had a, um, difficult time reaching orgasm. And I thought that I have this I have this idea in my head about sex in a relationship that I really really want to work on which is like if we're not having good sex consistently and by consistently for me it's like every day then we're not connected and there's something off and I it's not even that I want to have sex every day it's like that I just need to know that we're okay. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna get myself there. I'm gonna get you there. And then we're gonna make dinner and like chill and we're gonna be good. And it's, yeah, it's really black and white thinking. And um, it's not, it doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for someone that I love. Like it's, I need to learn to trust a connection outside of our sexuality I wanna be more honest with what I actually want or what I'm willing to compromise or what my intentions are or my reasons behind my desires. And um, because of the black and white thinking around that topic, I ended up just sort of pressuring this person and put yeah, putting this unnecessary pressure on someone that I felt really bad about. And, um, and it was my own insecurity is what it came from. Like I – and it was also this – I have this weird habit of like if we don't sleep together today or yesterday, like if it's been two days, like Lord, us help you because we're going to have like a four-hour communication session. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can – we could also just play a card game and like let that be a connection or like kiss a little bit or, you know, watch a movie or whatever else like – I'm so, I don't know where this, this attachment to sex being the most important part of a connection between two people who are romantic together came from. I don't know where it came from.
1: Perhaps it's all of us. <laughs> I think it yeah. is total culture. I think yeah. also fuck Hollywood because sorry LA but just like not Hollywood the place, like yeah, Hollywood. But but the the stories that come out of that, you know, I think the media is responsible for how we I don't know, you're going to find bridge charming and then blah blah, 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 And it's like enough with these stories and selling them. And yet I find myself as I'm like educating a small person, Not I'm not homeschooling, nothing wrong with homeschooling. I'm just not doing it. I just mean bringing up a daughter is that like, I will happily read some of those Beatrix Potter early stories and just be like, I'm just reading you this. And then expecting that she's just going to choose a different way. And it's like, well, if we don't start educating from a really young age, like there are different stories, you know, (laughs) um, and there are different narratives, then we're just going to keep living in them, even if the pictures are pretty, you know? Mm. Like, how do we choose something else to be like oh and it wasn't so straightforward and they had a little bit of a row and you know and then she slept on the couch one night but it was all right because they did love each other you know what I mean like you know sometimes honestly like it's interesting being a co-host on this podcast and I haven't co-hosted for a while and being a parent and having this conversation with you both and I thank you Mimi for just being so open and vulnerable and sharing so courageously with us because it's bringing up a lot for me and I'm thinking a lot about the fact that like how much we change and Mm -hmm. that our stories change and then how important it is for us to change our stories like as we develop because if we just stay the same like I feel like we're losing out on half of the shit right like half of the half of the magic you know Oh, sorry I have to mute again because there's shit going on back here
0: I think that's hey. me. Oh, really? <laughs> so it's riot. It's
1: like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, tangent went off on, um, but just to say that I don't know. I feel like the narrative is 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 hugely responsible for so much um, of our thinking,
2: and it's yeah. not always our own fault. And I love I love hearing you talk about that because the biggest reason I love being sober in the world is that I have the option to change and evolve and not necessarily like become better or become worse just like just change like I get to experience the process of learning more or learning that I know nothing or learning I've been wrong the whole time or you know meeting that person or seeing that view or whatever it is and, and let the world affect me and with Ladies First when I when I put that song out I was so gung ho about like all oh, you bitches are going to come you know like no I didn't I wasn't feeling that in my heart but like that's kind of how the song came off on stage a little bit I was so like there's no room for anything else it's just like ladies are going to come first and that's the rule and it's like actually and somebody had come up to me somebody I work with on the music videos And she's a badass, and she's got a great boyfriend that she loves, and, like, they've been together forever, and I I actually love him too, and I don't love a lot of dudes. And she was like, I don't come a lot. She was like, actually, we don't really know how to make me come so much. Like, it's not really a regular thing for us. And they had been together for five years, and I just, like, realized that I had kind of been shaming people. You know, like, it's not all bad intentions, and I think I assumed that about men – that they just don't give a shit and that's why these women aren't feeling good and that's not cool and it's like actually a lot of people give a shit and people are on their own journey with their bodies Mm. and some people are on medication and it makes it hard to come and some people just like without medication it's hard to come and some people don't want to come some people like believe in that tantric shit where they like hold that (laughs) power in like there's all kinds of stuff that I I don't know about. And like, it's actually not my job to tell someone how to feel. It's just, you know, it's just my job to figure out what I'm feeling and how I can take care of that. And that's it.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I, I granted, also the song is a banger. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> like mention that. But I mean, I think that like, there's like, I really appreciate your kind of self-awareness with that and, like, who yeah, totally. the, I, the humility around, like, who am I to tell anybody else how to have yeah, an orgasm? Really but at the same time, like, kind of in the, the like, the, there is an orgasm gap, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like, I think it is helpful to have, if we're talking about, like, a kind of media narrative, like, it's helpful to have more media around, like, mm. the importance and prioritization of female pleasure. And, like, I know for me, like, even as a, a vocal and ardent feminist, I believe, like, I can notice that, like, I have internalized beliefs around, like, it being inconvenient, it taking too long, it, like, if we want to connect and just, like, kind of have a sexual moment experience, like, I'm probably not going to have an orgasm because that's, like, a pain in the ass, you know? And, like, my partner has never given me any information to say any of that stuff, you know? But it's something that I carry and then I'm, like, like or, like, oh, no, like, that's not important, <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, I think it's helpful to kind of, as we we say, like to interrogate and be accountable for the narratives that we've internalized and then like work to kind of like unweave, like, wait, is that true or is it serving me? Right. You know, um, right. and- it's
1: really interesting that you say that Lou, as well, just having that reflection process, because it's like often our partners haven't said anything, but that's just that's the line I've chosen to take. And, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the story I'm going to go with because it's just fucking easier than having Yeah, and
0: I'm like, I'm lazy. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And I sometimes, like, I don't want to connect, you know? Yeah, it takes work to come.
0: And, like, embodiment and presence and, Mm -hmm. like, not just kind of being like, oh, this, I like, you know, especially I think it can be confusing within, like, the context of how I like sex, you know, which is, Mm -hmm. like, definitely dynamic, you know, and and that being like will this fuck up the moment will this like how does that you know how does that kind of right, like, like, fuck up the the DS dynamic or whatever yeah um, but that being said, I do think like what you you said some interesting stuff about like not loving, <laughs> not loving men, not loving that many men. And yeah. I mean, and I'm actually really excited to have this conversation with both of you. And I'm so stoked that Rose can be here for it because I think you know, like Dan Savage, our Lord and Savior, <laughs> the the host of the um, Savage Love Cast, talks a lot about bi erasure, mm-hmm. and um, I think you know, you both, if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, but you both identify as bisexual. And um, I'm curious about like what that's been like either internally or externally as like part of your sexual identity or part of your, your lived experience, like how it's been to kind of like embody both of these parts of yourself, identifying as queer, but like being in relationships with cis dudes.
2: Can I pee for thirty seconds and then come back and then? then
0: Yes, think about it while you're peeing. (laughs) Yeah, let
2: me (laughs) get into that. That
1: That's a great question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, is the is the and we're on.
2: Go, (laughs) Rose. Did you want to speak to that first, or you want me to go first? All right. Well. Yeah, this is, I've never actually spoken, like, in a recorded setting about about this, because I'm really on my journey with it. I, for a long time, and kind of still, like, don't identify as bi. And I wondered why that was. And I thought maybe it was because, you know, I've slept with, like, trans people and been intimate with non-binary people so that's not you know bi is like the two genders and that's not pan right but then pan is like more about the brain right but like i like the the genitalia of the person i'm sleeping with or i like their their like soft boobs or i like their like man pecs or i like their curves, or i like their you know like strong muscles or like I, I I like the way the beard feels. I also like the soft lady lips like I, I really do like the body of the gender of the person that I like so it's it's not it's not like I'm attracted to your mind and your body is sort of irrelevant or the or your gender is irrelevant because I really do like genders like I have um, an attraction to like an, a gendered attraction I guess. Um, but I then am sort of coming to the idea that maybe I am sort of like – it's hard for me to call myself by because of some stereotypes I have in my mind. and And one of them being like the drunk girl at the bar, you know, trying to turn her boyfriend on so she makes out with her friend or like the 12-year-old who's confused or, you know, like the – or, or the somebody who sort of like um can't choose or like wants to be different or it's hard and i and i'm and then I'm worried am i that person but like I'm really not though and that's that's the thing it's I grew up in a in a world where I think it was sort of like there, you have to choose what side of the fence you're on right like are you on this side or are you on that side and I couldn't find a fence. I just, I didn't see it. So I was like, well, damn. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't have a strong like, model. For- I'm
0: walking across this field. Yeah. Back and just, forth.
2: It's a beautiful big field. Like, where do you see a fence? There's, it's just like good grass and cozy cows. Like what's going on? I mean, um, and I felt really confused about that because you know, some of my friends and I grew up in, on the art scene in New York city. So I had a fair amount of friends that were coming out as gay and I had a fair amount of friends that were straight and I had huge crushes on boys and also had huge crushes on girls and also like didn't know how to pursue them, um, in either direction. And yeah, I'm, there's also this, this feeling I was, I was having this I had this beautiful weekend with my friend in Munich and she was talking to me a little bit about, you know, I'm in this relationship with this man right now, this cisgendered man who I really love and he's not straight either. And we're trying to figure out where there's space for us to be in like this committed loving relationship and also, you know, not be compartmentalizing our sexuality and, um, and that's not, we don't want to be poly. Like, I, I mean, if you want, go for it. I don't have time for it, like emotionally or like schedule wise. I always wonder about this. <laughs> yeah. Like how do you foster multiple relationships? Maybe, maybe some other guests will come on and tell us, but, uh, but yes, so we are navigating what our queerness in the relationship looks like. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to him and to like this friend in Germany about, when I'm with a woman, when I'm in a relationship with a woman, I'm like, I feel really gay. I'm just like, I'm hanging out with other queer ladies in relationships. We're having a ball. I'm like outspoken when somebody fetishizes us. I'm like, fuck you. And here's why. I'm like, eat it. And then I'm in a relationship with a dude and I'm like, having double dates with straight couples very lovely one with louisa by the way which i think we should do more it's great we should do that again yeah (laughs) and i'm like you know like going around and hanging with his friends and i'm the girlfriend and i i feel sort of lost like i feel sort of the queer side of me feels invisible and yeah and i'm working on it i think it's in my head honestly i think it's in my head and But this friend of mine, Ella in in Munich, she was like, it doesn't matter, you know, like it's just like it's just your sexuality. Like it doesn't matter what you are like, go for it. And I was like, actually, it does like we all want belonging. I want to belong to sober people. I want to belong to artists, to musicians. Like I want I need these communities that that serve the parts of me and and make the parts of me not feel so alien and and my queerness and my straightness and my, all of the confusing part of my sexuality that is not just hetero, like that needs a place. And, and I don't feel like I belong to the to the gay ladies and I don't feel like I belong to the straight ladies and I love ladies and I wanna to belong to them and I just don't know like where to go for, for all those parts regardless of what relationship I'm in. So I'm lost. <laughs>
1: That's the most epic answer, I what love it? it. It was perfect, I just learned so much about my own definition of my bisexuality from listening to you. Oh wow. Uh, it's the background noise yes. too intimidating. it's pretty intense. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna try to make it stop. Um, I'm gonna just pause okay, the recording yeah. again. Take your time.
2: hang on one second.
1: <laughs> I love that. <this. laughs> no, can you say that again? Because that was really funny.
2: <laughs> Are you in the closet hiding from your baby daddy talking about your queerness right now? No. <laughs>
1: It looks like but i habit. wish i was oh. i'm in a big like open space right. um, <laughs> right. i'm in the corner which is, is um, in the open space but i love what you just said about that it was so fucking spot on um i think and you were saying like where do i belong i think it's bisexuals like that's our own little category isn't it like we are part of that all those all those little words do you know what i mean we are the bee and that's okay and but it's hard, I don't know, it's hard when you, like, what you were saying about why, when you're either in, um, relationship with a woman or a man, like, you're in those spaces, but, like, what happens, for example, like, I'm 10 years into a relationship with a guy, right, Mm -hmm. and so where does that, what Louisa asked was, like, what does that look like now, and, um, I think because I haven't ever really, like, fully dated women, I've just have an attraction to women which I feel like I'm honest about and um and you know have had things with women but not like long-term relationships that I feel that um it just is part of who I am like and it just doesn't it doesn't really feel like a hugely big thing it doesn't feel like something that I have to uh, I've never had to really hide um Except for my mum when I weirdly came out to her when I was younger, which was weird. Um, she was like, for my parents, like leftism, she was like really, I think I was at drama school. She was like, she sent me a hair grip in the post. and just wrote, gri- Yeah. Like a Kirby grip, you know? When I crunchy. Oh. No, it's crunchy. No. A, like grip. a headband? A no, just like a fucking grip, you know, like. A clip. Grip. She clip. means a clip. A clip. Yeah. It's a grip. And In, in England,
0: and <laughs> this is relevant.
1: All right, we'll it's say a grip. Well, it's part of the, it's part of the joke. And she just wrote, I think I told her and then she just sent me a hair grip in the post and said, get a grip. And that was it. That was oh, all. Yeah, That's I mean, so she good. thought it was really funny. And she told the joke, like, recently when I was visiting the UK, she was like, wasn't that funny? <laughs> You thought you were a lesbian. And I was just like, I didn't think I was a lesbian. I was telling you I was attracted to women, but whatever. Like, fuck mm. it. Like, you cares? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was the moment for a conversation. And, and she was like, no daughter of mine will ever be a lesbian. No one attracted to women. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Anyway, I'm beyond that place where I'm like, I need anybody on board for anything, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's like, we're so beyond that. So what's interesting is that, like, I really crave men who are deeply in touch with their feminine side. Um, and so I feel like I have been gifted a husband who I can explore a lot of that with. Mm. And yet, like we, and I've talked about this, I think, in the last episode we all recorded together as like I feel like we gender swap a lot. Um, mm. and that was really fun and really freeing. And sometimes I feel like he is much more like sensitive and emotionally in touch, in a more classical feminine way or whatever. And I'm more like on a fucking what would be defined as stupid and <laughs> This oh. male like <laughs> up a step ladder knocking things in the wall and but you know what I mean like and I mm. feel for me as a 40 year old woman who's just had a baby that like that is my definition of how I work within my bisexuality and like and, and it is it is part of my fantasy but so a men it's not like I'm repressing it it never feels like I'm repressing it I think where it does become confusing is in um for me sometimes when I feel like um relationships like with my best girlfriends for example you know, I'm like am I being a bit intense because I just actually fancy them a bit do you know what I mean or something oh, yeah. like that yeah, and the answer and is like, yes the answer is yes probably <laughs> like I'm like I want to be the favorite and is it because I'm actually just like want to be in relationship Rose so? it's yeah.
0: fine we are married you know that
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so you find ways around it right where you should just like your best friends tolerate your intensity yeah because you're, like really not like sexually necessarily necessarily but there's like a, I don't know. There's just like a depth. that's an enmeshment. An enmeshment, maybe. I don't know if you You want to move I in think, together? Yeah. <laughs> I think
0: all it's all really three. Good. Where's Lily?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I feel like at this point, um, the labeling I know is important for for the bigger kind of world, but it isn't so important for me today. And and that I know is a privilege. But yeah. Um, it also if I think about things too much, my head gets a bit mashed in. So where I'm just like, I'm attracted to men, I'm attracted to women. Right now I'm married to a dude and that's okay. <laughs> like and and it exists and but I'm curious to talk to you. Like I don't know, like maybe we need to have a bisexuals club or something where we will just like talk about that bit. Because like you said, it does need somewhere to hang out sometimes because yeah. it can be a bit confusing. But I also find that I express it in my dress sometimes. Sometimes I like to dress overtly feminine. Hmm. and then other times I like to kind of like honor that other side of me which feels a bit more duty and and so it feels fun to play with my gender in that way
2: right is that yeah is that gender or is that sexuality like do you feel like you're representing the queer lady in you when you dress a certain way or I do it's my it
1: feels like an expression of Hmm. for me Hmm. but less about I need to make like a big thing of it. It's just like a little fucking nod. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Today I'm not going to wear makeup. I'm going to feel a bit like this. I'm going to be a bit like, there we go. I'm going to be a bit, that's just enough for me today. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's okay that that's my expression, you know, today. Who knows what it would be like in 20 years. Exactly. Exactly. And it'll always
2: change. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's tricky. And, and I, I, Um, it will always be evolving and my, my struggle is, is more internal than anything else. Like when I was, you know, when I, when I had first sort of like come out as not straight and not gay, whatever that word is, I still haven't figured out my, I had a friend who's lesbian and, and now, you know, married to a woman and she's doing the thing. And she got really uh, intolerant of, of a relationship I had with a woman. She said it was kind of bullshit and like she got mad at me because I wasn't gay the way she is. And, mm. um, and then when I, you know, and, and I've been with more women actually than I have with men. And when I got into this relationship that I'm in now, I had so many friends just say like, but aren't you gay? And it's like, when did I ever say that? And also like, why are you questioning me and questioning my heart? Like, And whose business is it? Like, fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, like I'm gonna be loud about it, but I don't fucking know what yeah. I'm being loud about. I'm just like being, I, I just want like permission from people who don't even have the the authority to give it. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. Mm.
0: And it sounds like it's also very much tied to community, you know, and like belonging and that like that that's the thing. Like, I think that's, you know, when we talk about bi-erasure, it's like especially for femmes, this idea that like, you know, often, you know, bisexuality can kind of be the tunnel by which uh, one can come out as uh, homosexual. But like, this To just, like, not be like, no, 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 it's not en route somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where I live. Um, I think that that's really interesting because it does kind of exclude you from two places, right? Like, to right. Be like it's like a liminal space. And then, like, A, yes, who's, like, whose business is it? Like, literally nobody's. But at the same time, if you want acceptance into, into community, that part's hard because right. you're not going to be a fucking gold star lesbian. You know, right. and I don't know if that's, like, a um, pejorative term. And if so, if, it, if it's problematic, I apologize, oh, yeah. let's edit it. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean like it's interesting because that's not really been like I've never I've never really the I mean I guess I've had the opportunity to question sexuality but it's always like yeah, you're straight. <laughs> it's so boring.
2: I told but, um, you one day you're going to come out like as a trans man. It's
0: I know. It's day. totally happening. <laughs> like everybody just like I we've discussed this on the show before like I'm constantly misgendered and I'm like, "Seb, did you have a relationship with a dude?" Like
1: Yeah.
2: He's like, "Yeah, I love it."
1: Um, I do think there's something funny about bisexuality which stems from that thing I don't know if you had this and you sort of referred to it when you were describing what you were defining as your um, bi erasure is that initially it was all about just like for the boys you know like yeah
0: or for the male gaze like it's not for you it's still for the patriarchy. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I knew that it was something else when it was like there were no boys looking and I was still like pursuing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you were like,
2: oh, okay, this is beyond that, you know? Right. Yeah. That's definitely the high school experience of like, Yeah. oh, you were doing that's this because you thought it was funny. I was doing yeah. it because I was extremely wet for you. Like, yeah. that's different. That's different. But we'll pretend yeah. it was the other thing. Right. And that's the- definitely. Dude. this like community belonging to thing it, it feels like who i'm dating is my ticket and maybe that's like something i need to work on or maybe mm. it's also something we can all work on but what I, do you mean by that that I, I i i need a pass into the queer lady club or the straight lady club right. depending on who's on my arm or like Who's yeah, but it's, it's the
0: her. other. It's not about you and your queerness. It's about right. It's about the person that you're you're exactly. with, and like that is that bullshit. Is the question, and it sounds like bullshit. <laughs> it is.
2: It's total bullshit. bullshit. It's totally bullshit. Like I, I want to be a part of a community who wants me, not mm-hmm. who's who has these like requirements of who I'm with, and mm-hmm. um. I remember I, when
1: somebody said to me, I couldn't go to a 12-step meeting that was gay or I couldn't share it. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then I was like, I don't want to make a scene, but I do identify. And then I was like, I'm not saying that because I feel like a twat. You know what I mean? Oh
2: man, like, you know should I mean? Cause I get why they want safe spaces. You know, like they don't. A hundred percent. I'm cool with that. But like, yeah, you you do qualify for that. Like, right. Need to, yeah, I fucking don't hair. know, right? Anyway, I'm mm. I mean, gonna maybe have to make this like a yeah. lady club. This, like,
1: it's gonna make a space. shame yeah. queer lady the club, B, the B, the B club.
0: <laughs> and then, as like the the straight dude in the room, I'm just like,
2: Can I come <laughs> yeah, no, that, no, we need our token straight dude, Louisa, oh, so you. you have to be yeah. there. I appreciate Sorry, that, really. yeah. <laughs> thank (laughs) y'all
0: um so as mentioned in recovery and actually maybe this is kind of like directly sparking out of the the conversation about like sexual identity but you know in recovery we often discuss the notion of a sex ideal or what kind of person we want to grow towards being in our sexual or romantic relationships so are you working with a sex ideal today Mm.
2: I want to say real quick, Rose, I, I really appreciate your honesty on that topic, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to sort of like connecting more on, on oh. all of it, just, or, or not even that, but it, I, I see you, and I appreciate you, and um, it's really good to hear you. Did you just see me disappear in a shine hole?
0: <laughs> oh, you literally went deeper into the closet.
2: <laughs> the open space.
1: <laughs> the field,
2: the field so road. This it isn't is about like me, possible, but it's an open space. I'm
1: uncomfortable. We're talking about you. Bye. <laughs> okay, <all right>. <laughs> offline, offline.
2: <laughs> um, my sex ideal would be more vulnerable. I think. I think. Um, I sort of like. I have this bravery that I bring into my sexual world and actually as we've discovered like I'm insecure about my sexual identity I'm insecure about um, The importance of sex in order to feel connected to someone like I'm not just me being in this relationship Is it enough we need to be sexual? Um, I would like to be more vulnerable in that and and less sort of calculated and uh, messier and and it's okay to not come and it's okay to not make someone come it's just important to care about someone and listen to them and be honest with them and like receive them and um so i honestly i'm pretty happy with where i'm at on my sexual journey i i feel like uh like i've learned a lot as i've turned into an adult human but i'd like to continue to be more vulnerable and open and also just like, kind of like deprioritize sex a little bit. Like Mm. I love to have it and I want to keep having it, but it doesn't need to be the most important thing in a relationship.
1: Oh, that's such an epic answer. (laughs) Wow. Thank you. you. You've been such a fantastic guest. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So have
2: I, this was fun. Can we do it every day? (laughs) Wow. I mean, we just keep bringing in co-hosts,
0: so, like, yeah. You know. yeah,
2: come in, come, <laughs> come in, I'll do different accents, all, like, let's do different names, characters, yeah, in, like, yeah. The yeah. The corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: totally, totally, and so what's next, Mary?
2: tell us, what's next, um, some big things are happening, I, I'm gonna start releasing, actually, segue to, I've been releasing a lot of, sort of, like, I'm empowered. Wow, this is really connected and this is why I love talks with fierce ladies. Um, I have been releasing some really like sort of like, I don't give a shit. Like I know, I know me, I'm strong and independent kind of music, which is great because that is part of me. And I'm happy to be part of like having more of that out there, but that sort of messaging. But I have a lot of vulnerable songs that I've been tucking away. And um, I'm going to start releasing those coming soon. We're in the process of recording. So
1: beauté.
2: I'll let you know.
1: Beauté, beauté, beauté. And where can people find you on the internet?
2: At music of mumu is the handle for all of those platforms and just mumu on Spotify. Uh, M-U-M-U. So it's- yeah, it's M-U-M-U. <laughs> Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Thank, yeah. you.
1: thank you. Thank you. And you. thank you for being so. We're
2: prepared. not done. We have lightning round, dogs.
1: Let me the the best part. Oh Oh, dear, sorry. Oh shit! Do you want me to send it? No, no, it's good. I'll just fucking chuck some purples in there. Oh
0: shit! You're always like, what planet?
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah. Let's start with that. If you were a planet, what planet would you be? Is this real? (laughs) Is a real question. This is a real question. (laughs) This question. (laughs) If you could move to a planet, what planet would you move to, and why?
2: I think I'd be Pluto because I feel like an imposter, you know? Like, I'm like, yeah, I was a planet. Like, they thought it was, but I'm not. Like, but I feel like a planet. This on Pluto.
0: Oh, beautiful. If you had an animal familiar, what would it be? An animal familiar? You mean yeah. like if I like was an animal? No.
1: If you're a witch, what
0: would if you You have could choose. Of Like if you could choose the animal that's like your bestie. Oh
2: oh, okay, okay. My sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a cow. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. Sturdy.
0: Any any specific breed, type, size? A brown
2: cow. Nice. Really big. Uh pregnant probably. And um. The fault? Really gassy. (laughs) Super gassy. gassy, Big brown pregnant Pregnant cow. (laughs) if you
1: were on a desert island and you could bring one piece of
2: literature what would it be oh god you know what i'm really not good at reading no but it can be like i don't know oh i'm starting to i'm starting to be really proud and loud about how i don't read really well because i have terrible dyslexia Mm. and i'm really worried that People will think I'm dumb if I say that I don't read. But then I was like, "What if there's other people out there that are scared people think they're dumb?" So you know what? I don't read very well. Okay, Can fine. I bring a podcast? I would bring yeah, so bring a podcast. Oh. Yay! <laughs> That's going
1: in like the beginning, like trying <laughs> to. <laughs> what uh,
0: What turns you on? Whatever that means, like creatively, intellectually, sexually,
2: turns me on. Um, a good a good window turns me on oh. with like a nice, you know, something nice to look at out of it. Um, Did you just say that? Because you
0: looked out your window. You're like, yeah. what does turn I think
2: me you on? Notice the banister
0: of the window has like butts. Like your, yeah yeah, your window was really I like sexual. a little peachy <laughs> butt. Yeah, it's good butts and out also there.
2: Also, I like the house across because they've got very. That's nice what green I'm saying. Things. A good view. Yeah. This tur- I'm t- turned on Titulating. <laughs> I like people. People like I really love. I love to people watch. It turns me on, mm. not sexually, My. but it turns me on creatively. I just like to imagine people's stories when they walk by it's, and it's oh, always yeah. like really complicated and and then if they do something rude, like cut someone off or like have a resting bitch face, I explain why like so, yeah. something really horrible is happening to them and they're doing the best they can and they deserve our oh. love and talk Compassion training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Louisa, what time do you want today? Oh, today? Hmm.
0: I feel like my morning pages turned me on. (laughs) I did a lot of like excavation, like, and the the words that came out were like very much like, is it like dripping like a carcass? (gasps) Wow. (laughs) Is it salty like blood?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love this pose you're making too while you say it. You're like ushering in the demons. Arms akimbo. Arms akimbo. (laughs)
1: Kimbo, Kimbo. Rose,
0: what turns you on? This is leading. Just
1: fucking sleep. Sleep. <laughs> uh, I am so goddamn tired, you guys.
2: Oh, no. Um, You're doing I'm great, the, kid.
1: That was just life. New parent life. Yeah. There we go. How old That's is this kid? Thing? One, but she's having wow. a sleep regression. So, you know. Oh, God. It's not always
2: You're like that. you a snack.
1: What?
0: Fave snack. Fave Love
2: snack. <laughs> um... Yeah. Kettle corn and it's homemade, so mm, come yeah. on over. Oh, damn. Yep. Rose. And yeah, Rose.
1: Oh, I'm a fave snack. Um, the, the, poor Seb, sorry, Seb. There's salted peanuts in your cupboard. <laughs> <that> Seb <laughs> sliced all the other day. Oh, my sorry, <laughs>
0: Seb. We are your food. Also, what's hilarious about those peanuts is if the brand is Man Guys.
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So dark sick.
1: At what point did somebody choose that? it? they're like,
0: what's a funny name for nuts? They're like, these men guys nuts. <laughs> <Man> guys. <laughs> wretched. So wretched. Wretched. Um and finally, what do you love?
2: <sighs> oh god, I got so dark nice go there oh god it's hard to love i love i'm gonna say i love growing pains and it's because i feel that because growing pains i've learned like most of the time pain is is because there's growth and i love knowing that so that things feel Mm. worth it you know
1: that's so beautiful i love that i love how open your mind is Mm.
0: what a treat it is to have you on sober sex thank you so much for for coming on today we love you
2: i love you both so much we can let's do this we don't have to have the you know the podcast thing going let's just do this again with some coffee. (laughs) cool into it so into it ladies